Hi, and welcome to episode number 173 of the Apolog Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. We'd like to thank everybody for shopping with Amazon, clicking through Amazon. Also, uh, you can help out too by going to apolog.ca slash Amazon or apolog.ca slash US Amazon and bookmark those links. And every time you shop, go to those bookmarked links and you'll be supporting the show. Cost you no extra money. And, uh, it, it shows your support. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Have you ever heard of Patreon? Patreon's a, it's a, it's not a new thing, but I have a Patreon account. You can go to patreon.com slash and pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. You can cancel at any time. If you want to support the show out, uh, you can buy a t-shirt by going to apolog.ca slash shop. Buy some music. I have some music on there for sale. Foursquare discography for $20. If you're on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the show, help it out by giving it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash Pod and follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. My guest today is a very old and dear friend of mine. His name is Andreas Tompros. He is, he is, uh, I think I've known Andreas now for going on 22, 23 years. And uh, we met by, I was recording bands, he played in bands, and one day he decided to go move down to Los Angeles, and I didn't see him for a while. He started an online company called Casting Frontier. He is the co- he's the co-founder of that company. It is an online casting solution. It's very cool. He basically jumped on it first and is one of the first, and now there's a few copycats, but he's still on top, and now he lives down in Los Angeles, and this one takes place where he is in a bathtub it's a little hard to explain but here he is andreas tompros on the apologue podcast podcast in a bathtub in a bathtub This is the best. I think this is going to be the best well, so? podcast in the world. Yeah. Okay. Good. So this is um, this is a bucket list thing for you, right? Well, it actually started off as a joke with a friend of ours who's a this Italian guitar player who plays for the Italian rock stars that nobody in America even knows about. Simone, I've probably mentioned to uh, his name before, and we always joked around about how Simone's so big that people actually will pay, like celebrities will pay him big money to, to do Skype interviews and, and, uh, um, Oh shit. Just dropped out. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. So we just, we just switched to audio only. That's okay. Um, so yeah, it was, the joke was that, you know, our, our, uh, an Italian friend of mine who plays, um, for these famous Italian people, rock stars that nobody in America knows about, how people are like queuing up in lists to do interviews with him, and he's so busy that the only time he can do it is when he's in the bathtub. How funny it would be to do an interview in a bathtub. I know, and here you are. I like the sound of the water. Okay. And uh, 
this, yeah, we saw each other over Christmas, and I, I thought it was an amazing idea. And when you first came on, you're just sort of like, okay, let me get ready. And then the next thing I saw it was like tiles. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is actually happening. This is for real. This is for absolute real. Yeah. Um, it's a really, it's a pleasure actually to have you on the show because we don't talk as much as we used to because a very long time ago, there was a young Dre, as we uh-huh. called you, said, I'm moving to LA. And I said, why are you doing that? And you said, because you were going to go chase a dream. And it turned into, and I thought, you know, oh, give it a year. He'll be back. And you're still down there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I didn't fall into the category of uh, back home with his tail between his legs. Uh, I guess, you know, there's a lot to get st- distracted by down here. There's a lot of nonsense. There's, you know, it's Tinseltown. Mm-hmm. Um, people get caught up in, in, in all the, all that stuff. And uh, I surrounded myself with, you know, a good bunch of people um like-minded people uh people interested in the arts and music and you know um people that are just uh as they say a good bunch of dudes mm-hmm. um and that you know obviously finding the love of my life here is a critical part of it but in addition to that uh just surrounding yourself with people and, and not getting distracted by all the nonsense that this town produces um I guess kept me here, you know, kept me wanting to be here um, because it's become a second family to me. And, uh, you know, L.A. and living in the U.S. is a whole different thing than what I knew growing up in Toronto and the suburbs of Toronto. Um, so it's uh, it's been a challenge uh, nonetheless. But but I am I am happy here. And uh, yeah, that's good. I'm. I always knew, like, because you always have this drive, and you and we've known each other when you when you obviously lived up here, and you were always sort of like striving for something that was within your reach. You know what I mean? Like the same, like you're, I'm just gonna get that, and then you sort of you have this way of sort of developing a momentum, and that's kind of what you kind of did. You moved down there, and how how fast was it before you found work or whatever? You kind of made your own work too, right? Yeah, it was pretty industrious. I mean, you know, when you first moved down here, um, on and off the record, I guess, without paperwork, and eventually the paperwork worked out. Um, it was a it was a big challenge in the beginning. I mean, at one point, I, I reached a critical mass in my life. I was desperate and hanging Christmas lights on rich people's houses, and I remember this experience where I was like hanging at the end of the rope. I literally, I had one one ankle tied to a rope. And I was hanging upside down on Jacqueline Smith's house. Jacqueline Smith, the Jacqueline Smith from um, Charlie's Angels, the original Charlie's Angels. And I was hanging upside down on a roof. And there was a guy named Hector who was at the top holding the rope. And I was fastening the Christmas lights to uh, to uh, to the eaves of her house. And I looked back at him and I was like, what the fuck is going on with my life? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like, you know, like, what, what? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and sure enough, from from that moment on, I actually figured out a way to actually take the guy. The guy that I was working for was overbooked because Christmas is a big rush, and so I ended up hiring guys from him to take over the jobs that he couldn't get to, 
And then I ended up billing the people myself and hiring the people myself. And, you know, I figured that my way through that season. Uh, after that, there was a couple other odd jobs that I did. Eventually, you know, I started hanging out with some some musicians and one of them happened to be somebody who was in the um, entertainment business. And uh, and we um, started talking about a concept and a lack of, uh, you know, a lack of uh, efficiency in his industry. And he was over what he was doing. And, you know, both of us weren't really making money making music per se. Um, so we put our heads together, started hiking together and writing down ideas. And uh, I think with like two thousand dollars, we started a company and you know uh obviously there's lots of details in between but uh it, it actually worked in a, in a nutshell and that was the casting thing right the uh yeah yeah exactly exactly so it's a it's basically a software company for creating efficiencies for the casting industry and putting everything online and this was a new thing i mean you started this over almost 10 years ago now or was it 10 years ago I think it's 11 now. 11, yeah. I think it's 11 years ago, yeah. So it went from just a simple idea, hiking the trails of Griffith Park to to um, having, you know, like a large staff and a big giant office and, and all that stuff um, and actually having an idea uh, of reach fruition or, you know, reach a point where it's actually a thing. Uh, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is. And, I mean, explain. So when you first started it, <clears throat> you were... You found out that there was sort of like a lot of d fractured part of the communication between how someone would come to a casting call. And, uh -huh. and, and is that how it worked? And then sort of take from there, because you explained this to me, and it's, I'd like to hear you. Saying, <laughs> it's, it's your, sure, yeah. sure, sure. So it's, it's, it's uh, basically what it came down to was that when I met my friend Joey, uh, who's uh, my colleague and co-founder of the company, um, he was running sessions and people were uh, recording casting sessions and putting them on DVD. Then they were making copies of the DVDs in those uh, tower copying towers and then distributing those out to people that need to see them with photocopies of headshots and, and size sheets. A size sheet is like where you take a Polaroid and you staple the person's uh, uh, day of picture. And then the other contact information sizes and representation would be listed. Um, and this is, this is all photocopies. And then there would be, you know, a lot of fees and a lot of time associated with mailing all that stuff out we were the first ones to create a universal software to record and upload the auditions so that people could see them fairly quickly after the audition uh, at least the first version of the software the second version was uh, uh that it was all built into a database so you had to be part of the database in order to get recorded and uploaded through the system but it was a lot more efficient where you just click the person in record their audition, do your editing or whatever it is you have to do, and then click upload and it's on its way up. And it reaches the internet as fast as your internet can provide. So people can be watching it virtually in real time. And since then it's come miles and miles and miles where we have um, uh, virtual software now where you can you know, audition from your cell phone and uh, have multiple people in the production industry uh, participate remotely from different parts of the country or, or different countries for that matter. So it's uh it's it's pretty insane how it started off with a really simple idea of just trying to get these things on the internet like every other industry and now it's like almost everything's virtual and in real time yeah you had the foresight to see that before anybody else did and i tried to explain this to people who i when i speak about 
your success, I mean, how you how you put it all together, is that you saw an opportunity in and created something that fixed a problem as well as you know um, sped up the process. And these these are things that doesn't really come around a lot, you know. And everybody needs that. You found something that sort of nobody had done yet, and that is the most important part. Well, I feel like it's it's almost like we didn't we didn't necessarily set out to we set out to solve one problem and create a solution for that one problem, and uh, it just organically went beyond that. As as the it's interesting with technology when you give someone um that little bit of, inf of of technology the next idea comes right behind it and so it's almost a snowball effect where uh when you give somebody an inch they take a mile with it where one idea inspires another idea where the simple uploading process and now you know years and years later everything's virtual it just it seemed to it seemed like it was an organic thing to happen and the industry kind of dictated i guess we did you know we did have foresight we did see and try to push things along um unfortunately the casting industry specifically is not necessarily the most advanced part of the production process mm -hmm. so you know you have all the post-production people and you have the camera people and you have all the uh, all the all the technology involved with modern modern hollywood but the casting itself was still running way, way, way behind because it just, it just was, and there was nobody pushing it along. And so I guess we were just the guys that came along and kind of nudged it along. Like, you know, you can, you can participate in technology like every other industry and, and we'll, we'll give you some tools for that. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I, but being an entrepreneur and, and that you have that spirit and, and, you know, I, I always enjoy that, that, that concept of filling void and when you say one idea leads to the next idea, you know it's a great base idea when several things can then start snowballing from it and make other things, you know, manageable. And I mean, that's kind of what all kind of tech companies do. They they fill, you know, they they fill a void where there's a big there needs a solution, and you found yeah, that the, solution. The the fancy industry term for that is upward mobility. No, oh. I think it's yeah, fancy, fancy. I used to call them yuppies. Are you yuppie then? No. Uh... <laughs> Upward mobile? <laughs> Upward mobile. What's a mobile? Is that mobile? Mobile's a cell phone, right? That's right. Mm, <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand, you know, the, the, but I mean, the part where it started off as a, as a great idea, you know, it's an amazing idea when there's several things that can branch off from it now, like, and you found... Like, like you say, it's like writing songs, you know, you write a song and then you write another song after it because you're inspired and it's sort exactly. of like kind of how it all sort of flowed along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that both of us had extensive experience using, you know, musical equipment, um, software for recording, yeah. spending time with the wires and cables and software and plugins and all that stuff kind of led to a greater knowledge of how a computer works, how software and hardware interact. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, beyond uh, other experience I, I had with software and working with uh, some some companies that I worked with in the past, uh, it was it was a uh, it was kind of the figure it out mentality of a of a musician that kind of drove 
was easy for it to drive forward. Yeah. And you you kind of came into this. Did you have any knowledge of computer and tech before you kind of started getting into it? Or was that your partner's? Strong? No, actually, when I when I worked for um, when I was living in Toronto, I worked for uh, Bell, a division of Bell for the satellite division. And I started off as a, you know, in a really simple customer service position and quickly found myself creating jobs or finding jobs for myself. And towards the end of it, um, I was actually working with the software development team. Um, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are not really happy with it, but we developed some great anti-fraud software um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that that basically targeted uh, pirate satellite TV. Um, and we were, and I was actually one of the people behind the um, Bell, uh, what was the Bell Express uh, anti-fraud program. And uh, so I, I kind of got into all kinds of things with that company that kind of segued. So I guess there's just a general interest with finding a, a, a solution for a problem that involves software and technology. Yeah, you told me that there was, I think maybe, a, but didn't you like have to look on Google Earth and look on rooftops and see if there's a dish that means they must have an account? And if they don't, if they have a dish, then no account, then that means they're pirating. We had all kinds of fancy ways of doing it, but ultimately, uh, the, the 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 final solution was basically uh, to ping to ping the device in real time and then have people read back the real time information because there's no cheating that. Oh. And uh, and if they couldn't do it multiple times, then they'd be subject to uh, they'd be subject to uh, cancellation. Yeah. And this this leads me to like when I said from before like. You're leaving Toronto and it seemed like a pretty good living or a life and a job. Yeah. And you went and took this huge leap of faith. And in all kind of neat stories like yours, there involves this sort of like taking a chance, um, throwing caution to the wind, whatever cliche mm -hmm. you can say to it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and getting on a plane and flying to a foreign land full of different people who think differently let's you know let's let's be straight canadians and americans they don't think similar you know they think, no they really don't <laughs> they think differently although i bet you there's a lot of canadians transplanted down to la now <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh ultimately uh you know very very different people uh you're right um but i feel like i guess leaving gr growing up in in the city of toronto and then moving out to the suburbs of toronto moving back to the city of toronto downtown and being a downtown rat for like, you know, probably 12 to 15 years or so, um, that's that's what I knew, you know, and the places are, are down there were what I knew. The environment was what I knew. And I would leave once in a while to explore and vacation and do those things. But that's what I knew. So stepping out of your element is, uh, you know, transplanting your life is a really, really scary thing that a lot of people do. And, I'm not, you know, I'm not alone. No. But um feel like the the driving force was just really wanting to be here mm. and i'm not sure what it was if it was I, I tend to think that it was an old experience i had when i was maybe 17 the first time i visited here where i was driving a, a 71 beetle from a high school girlfriend and and i was just by myself listening to some records and driving through the mountains towards the ocean i had that euphoric experience i think oh, I, I need to be here i have it was one of those like it was one of those things that kept resonating over the years until eventually I, I made it happen and come here. Um, 
once I landed, it's it was it was a struggle for you know the better part of five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I think would have given up. Maybe I have I don't know. Some people call it grit. I don't know. It's what, definitely what tenacity, it, that's for sure. Tenacity that yeah. you just keep going and going and going. And yeah. uh coincidentally, uh, a mutual friend of ours, um uh John Kastner, yeah. I remember him saying at one point, uh, we were hanging out in at his place in Silver Lake and and he looked me in the eyes and said, you know, if you if you really want to be here, you'll make it happen. But figure out a way. And it, it always rung rung true to me. Like, you know, there were simple words that anybody could have said, but like the way I guess the way he said it, or I don't know, at that moment it meant a lot. And and still to this day, I remember like wanting, you know, if I really want it, I'll, I'll make it happen. I'll figure out a way. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie, cheat, and steal. I'm going to do things honestly, but I'll make it happen. Yeah. I mean, but uh, and a lot of people kind of do that leap of faith when they're like in their early 20s or like, you know, you were kind of, like I said, a had, a, had a career yeah. that you sort of, you dumped. And that's sort of like for me, because, you know, I, you know me, I'm kind of always like, let's do where the wind pushes you and try to make, you know, make something out of nothing. And I'm all mm-hmm. about that, you know. But at that time of my life, I don't really know if I'd had kids at that point, but I think I was pretty darn close to having them. And yeah. it, what actually would be, I would have had a two or three year old at that point. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I thought <clears throat> I was in a whole different headspace because I thought, God damn, like, you know, I just went through a whole sort of five years of touring and being on, you know, in all this chaos, I just wanted to be home. So that was part of my reason to go, just stay here. Don't leave, right. you know, like, right. you know, and, and after hearing all the other stories of other people, it's sort of like, wow, like, you know, and as every year went by, I'm like, he's still down there, <laughs> he's still doing it. He's still down there. And, you know, it took, you know, for me, it was like, and, and to, to sort of, that took so much balls, like to, to, to get up and leave and leave all your friends sort of like with faith and trust that your friends will stay and, you know, you'll make new ones and new and exciting things like and usually it's sort of like some sort of weird, like mental, like fucking I'm out. But you just made this decision. And was it work that pushed you there, or was it like when you worked? No, I mean originally, uh, originally it was chasing chasing a girl that didn't work out very yeah. quickly. Classic story. Sure. Uh, staying here, I think that it was it was that thing that I really wanted to be here. Yeah. And I wavered. I, I you know I wavered back and forth with you know can I do it? Can I do it? And uh, I think that a combination of the people in my life throughout those years were good, solid people. And coincidentally, I was surrounded by quite a few Canadians because, you know, when you're here and you don't know a ton of people, uh, you have the tendency to flock to people who know other people and they happen to be from Toronto or Quebec or whatever. So I surrounded myself with a lot of Canadians who are, you know, a different type of person in general or can be at least um which you know were my were my uh, bedrock to to the early years um and that helped me a lot it helped me a lot having having a good solid structure and people that were not you know people that you could call true friends and people that you could kind of go to in your in your low times and there was plenty of low times in the early days but um um i think it was you know you know the 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 need to be here combined with like um, you know, being surrounded by good people that really helped me in the early years to stay, to, yeah. to stay this long. Do you think being in the music business for, or being in a band and, 
trying so hard sort of fed that cause because you know i can understand being in a band and going god we tried we tried so hard and we never actually made it or we actually make it is such a loose such a cliche bullshit thing to say but right. we never amounted any sort of success out of it and you try so hard and you put so much blood and sweat and tears into your art and there's no real payout that was that something that fed that or or was it just the fact I, that you just want to be here i think it, i think it i think that was a big part of it and it's funny that you mentioned it because i never really thought about it that way I mean, night after night playing in, in a small indie rock band, you know, traveling to Montreal, Quebec, or across the country, or, or small US dates, or whatever it is you do in whatever scale, the, I guess the idea that you're chasing something, and at the end of the day, what is it you're really chasing? You know, the pay, now in retrospect, now that I'm not necessarily chasing that path, um, I'm doing it more as a hobby now, but, um, chasing that path, I think about all the experiences I had. I mean, how many club nights I played on a stage in multiple cities, uh, you know, throughout North America. Um, and how, and you know, the recordings that I had done that are imprinted in history on a, whether it's a DVD or an MP3 or whatever. Um, I don't feel like it, like you said, it was, um, the payout. I don't, I don't know if there is a payout. I mean, I guess maybe that's why, you know, a lot of rock stars go to drugs because they're chasing a payout that never comes, yeah. even though they're millionaires and, you know, having giant operations surrounding them. Maybe it is that they're just chasing a payout that never comes when the truth is the payouts, like the payouts arrived. You know what I mean? Like you've, you've done all that. You've played a bunch of shows, you've made a bunch of songs and, uh, and it's, maybe not necessarily something that you have to chase and just recognize. Yeah, that you would ju- you were just ex- answering the question I was just about to ask that all the experiences you put behind you although at the time might seem super bullshit or like highs and like yeah and super lows. Uh-huh. It's it's the amount of hours that you put into what you're trying to create at the end when you can look back with perspective and go, "Oh, oh, I've done a, I've done a lot." In, in a lot of people haven't had that chance to sort of with music particularly, but I mean, everybody has that little passion that they like to do and something they like to do that they're going to excel at and look back and go, I really tried that. You know what I mean? Like I keep going back. Like I keep talking about this old neighbor I had who, mm-hmm. who was the grumpiest man on earth, but he's, <laughs> you know, and I opened a recording studio in my basement and he said, like, I used to play a little guitar and immediately there, I knew it's going to be horrible. Because yep. he was just an angry man who never had any success or any sort of... He couldn't understand the concept of like putting the work in that he hated me so much based on the fact that I was doing something that was, a, I guess, supposedly living my dream or whatever. I was, right, you know, right. And then he saw that as being like, oh, trying to minimalize his life in a way. And, you know, so you kind of answered it by saying putting the work in is the payout. And it's... And that's all it needs to be. And you can, if you can look back like a rational person and go, of course I sat in a van and I ate potato chip sandwiches and I made no money and I didn't have anywhere to live and I would sleep (laughs) on bedroom couches and floors all over North America. But you know what? Yeah. That's, that's what built who you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's always been in my nature to not give up. Yeah. And uh, had I not made made this transition, there's a good possibility I'd still be following the path of, 
of, of, of music there with the, with the in combination with the career I, I had established. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have any regrets. No. Um, I do wish that music was a little more present in my life. I mean, I listen to music every day. I spin records, listen to music at work. So music's still very present, but um, not so much um, as far as creating. Um, speaking of which, creating i just for the first time got the guitar of my dreams oh were you saying this in christmas time i I was shopping at christmas time and Mm -hmm. i just bought it i just bought uh, a 61 jazz master fender jazz master oh wow because you've always been a jazz master guy yeah 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 Yeah. and so and so now that i own that it's it's sort of inspired me to think like oh shit i better start creating now now that i have this thing i've always wanted yeah i I better start creating and, and producing so yeah. So I got I got my little my little box and the computer and uh, hopefully things will start coming your way in MP3 format and you can check it out. Absolutely. Well, you know I got a drum kit right behind me. I have a whole studio in my basement. We can definitely make some rock together if you're interested. Uh, can we do virtual jams? I don't know. You got the if you have fa- I have really fast internet. I think if you have really fast internet, we can we can kind of make that happen. But also when it came to. Uh, when it comes to if you need some tracks put down, definitely we are in an era now where that is like I can't even think what it was like ten years ago. Like yeah. we had Q Next. Q Next was like the file sharing between people peer to peer. Uh-huh. And I oh, worked, that was like was that like Caraccio? It was mm, no, I I only knew it as Q Next, which was which meant you have like a your own account name and I have my account name. Okay. And I send you're online, I send you the 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 like here's the file. And then it takes like 20 minutes to download, like 10 megabytes. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I, I worked with a drummer at a Lethbridge who was like, um, he wrote orchestral drum music. And okay. uh, I, was, I was editing it for him. And I was reading music. It's funny, I just found all the scores in that brown thing behind me over there. I found all the, the scores. I'd have to edit like by... I was like kind of a weird anomaly for him because I read music as well as I had software skills. Uh-huh. So... I'm editing all these drums for him and I would send him the sound bite of it, of that edit. And I'd send it to him and he'd sit there with his headphones and listen to it and go, okay, that's great. Because Skype wasn't fast enough or good enough sounding for him to actually hear where we're at. And now, like now, if we were to have this conversation, you had an external microphone or you're not in your bathtub, um, <laughs> you could sit on like a really nice microphone and talk to me. There, there it is. There's the water. Let's not forget where you are right now. <laughs> but you'd sit. You could sit. You could sit on a microphone and catch. I could hear your audio, and it's pretty damn you know indecipherable whether you're in the room with me or not. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of friends that do um, drum lessons over Skype, and obviously it's it's improved over time, but it's still not necessarily. Yeah. amazing you know there's all kinds of proprietary things that either cost more money or they're exclusive or whatever but the, the technology is there it's uh, just a matter of whether you can get your hands on it to make yeah. all that stuff happen but the concept of like you know virtual jamming and 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 and, and um just people being in different places just not having distance be a factor in the creation process is pretty wild yeah the the, it, it used to be really bad, and now, like, the, I, I you, you follow that whole WebRTC trend now. Yeah, yeah, is, we we use it actually. This is what we're using right now. Actually, this is yeah, WebRTC. Yeah, I, this this I, appear. I know, I know the Appearian. What we use this, but we actually built um, all of the new stuff that I was just mentioning is actually based on WebRTC. All the virtual stuff. Yeah, and 
to explain to the person who doesn't understand, it is an amazing idea because there's absolutely no middle cloud server processor. So if your internet is that speed and my internet is this speed, we connect. There's no middle person, which makes this even crazier because I've put this page in. Obviously, it's it's my page name, but mm-hmm. you could, you could type in Dre farts in the bathtub. <laughs> and I could type in Dre farts in the bathtub, and for some crazy way, we can connect because we've it typed in the same thing. Insane! It is unbelievable. Like that. Yeah, how much does that make your head hurt? You know, like how hard it was to do stuff like that. Well, if you think about it, it's just like the barrels of a key, like a the pins in a key barrel. Mm-hmm. You know, they just have to be in the right combination with the with the key that goes into it, and everything works perfectly. Yeah. But still, you know, you've simplified it. It's wild. But it is so weird, you know, because it used to be Skype. Somehow you're using Skype and I don't like using, I don't like using Skype because Skype, Uh, and they're always let me down. As soon as Microsoft bought Skype, I was off Skype because I was an early, early adapter to Skype because when I used to tour in Europe, I would use a Skype conversation. It cost me like a tenth of the money. Let Let me ask you, were you on ICQ? Oh yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I got the ICQ light because they wouldn't let me they blocked me downloading it for, at, at my office. <laughs> Little did they know that I could get the light version that was browser based. Now ICQ, I used to do it when it was just chat, like it was just text chat. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, that's what I did. Yeah. It's just such a but that was using what an eight digit number, right? Was that was I think it so. something I think like so, that? Yeah. yeah. So you'd type right. in this eight digit number and you'd and I could connect to you because you're in that sort of realm. It's the same idea on well, no, it's like Skype was sort of like there was a big cloud listening and then spitting it back to you right. using their um, sort of their process. But this is just such an amazing thing because it we have connect on the more on a term that is on, you know, it's hard to trace. It's, you know, which could be, I guess, dangerous to some organization groups or easy for some organization groups to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to communicate. So- some like extremist group no now knows <laughs> yeah no doesn't happen no the terrorists will be caught that's what yeah but it, uh, yeah i you know, this when this got broken through it, because it was a google thing right was it a i can't remember it was like a group of dudes who sort of got together same idea kind of what you're you know kind of what you do but just like how are we going to make this easier and what are we going to do and they sort of got got together and there's so many um source codes you can find for webrtc you can yeah like you've built your own you skinned your own you know app mm-hmm. and i started the same thing there was a there was a a, a a key source i can't i think it was called brown paper bag or something okay and it was it was a, a company had developed a webrtc that you could that i got into like the source code and i changed the skin i changed the size and i managed to make it quieter because what it used to do it used to sort of I talk and then I could hear myself and then it would go wah, 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 make this crazy mm, the feedback cr- loop. Yeah. So there's this one little thing and it took me like weeks and weeks to figure out how am I going to do this? And all I did was mute my own microphone in my window. That's, that's, yep. that's how it worked. And they yeah, hadn't, fig- ha- so go. We, what are we going to say? We actually have a, we work with a San Francisco based company who build WebRTC kits for companies. Mm. So they built us the kit. They hand it off. Anything we need changed, they make the changes, but we can also make the changes. So it's basically, it's kind of the lazy man's, not so much lazy man's way, but it's not having to build it from the ground up and having to get right 100% of the code. 
So they basically package it based on our needs and then we morph it or mold it into whatever it is we need. And uh, they service a lot of, you know, television stations, sports networks, um, all kinds of things involving entertainment and, 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 uh, and music and performance. So it was a perfect solution for having either people in real time or creating a channel that somebody chimes into or, you know, uh, but they had everything sort of ready for us. And we just had to kind of take it and plug in what plug it in and figure out, how, you know, exactly what we needed it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was working really, really well. Yeah, I I used the same plugin on my. I built a website that was supposed to be for music teachers, um, and I had it going for a year or two, and nobody kind of picked up on it. And the uh-huh. it, and it was a weird sort of. I had this idea, and I thought it'd be kind of neat where teachers can sort of get together and and be in a in a space where they can trade off, like you know, and share clients or do whatever, make it like a music school that's virtual, mm-hmm. and. Uh, in my head, it was a great idea, but it seemed like a lot of music teachers weren't willing to sort of take that step that they enjoyed. I, I actually approached a music school and said, you could actually open this up to your teachers and sort of they can work out of here or they can work out of their home and they're still using your database and your, you know, have an online thing. But they're like, we've spent money on this building that we have and mm-hmm. we're not interested in, you know, outsourcing because like they could see it coming where well, this is the way it's going to be. People are going to be talking like we are. Mm-hmm. And you know what? What business took this over? This whole idea I had originally for music students was psychologists and therapists. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a thing called Talkspace. And it's the exact same idea I came up with. But makes perfect sense. For psychiatrists, because you're talking, because now it's easier and there's no like real, there was a bit of a lag, there was a bit of, a, you know, complications. But it was my proprietary software that I had sort of gotten this open source and I made the whole thing. And, you know, coming from a guy who had no idea what this, what that stuff did like 10 years ago, uh-huh. I felt it to be kind of an, an achievement. The only drag is, is that it didn't really take off, which kind of keys into the, you got to keep trying. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the a little ahead of its time. I mean, there's a lot of software that we've developed that was too ahead of its time there's just it, people just didn't adopt it they didn't adopt it because they couldn't wrap their heads around it it was too it was too much too much to digest i think that the way people's brains work with technology is it's bite-sized pieces it's i need this one little thing and i need it now and if there's a solution for that thing at that moment then that's all they care about and it's just like that compartmentalized kind of uh, a stream of thought, I guess. And when you when you're introducing the idea of something new, if there isn't a need for it, or at least they don't see the need for it, maybe it's hard for them to kind of wrap their heads around. However, that same person you could approach, you know, in five, eight, mm-hmm. 10 years from then, and they're in a position where they're like, somebody's willing to give them a lot of money for this remote thing. And I, oh, I wish I had this remote thing. Yeah. So it's 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 all like a, I feel like it's a timing thing, or it's just the people. I mean, you know, uh, a great candidate for that might even be what's the where's the that 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 school for the kids music here in L.A. Um, I think it's a, a, a national thing. It's School of Rock, not School of Rock. Uh, maybe it is School of Rock. Anyways, um, you know, there's obviously like a larger uh, profile, a higher profile. Uh, music schools that might be candidates for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. When I worked at York University, they were turning the whole basement into a virtual lecture hall. 
So uh, the building I, I lived in, I worked in, had um, a one room that was padded. It had a green background or whatever. had just a background that they could skin. And people would come and lecture, and it would become part of the online course. And they were planning on man making it go live. And so that, and that was like three years ago, four years ago. So, mm -hmm. And universities are inherently a little behind the mark when it comes to stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's the same thing with Hollywood. I mean, I, I just, I, I thought that they were going to be the cutting edge, and you would think schools are the cutting edge, and I don't know. It just doesn't 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 work out that way usually. There's a lot of bureaucracy in universities that turns into uh, a mess. You know, it's like its own little ecosystem. Just like I think Hollywood too is its own little ecosystem. It yeah. kind of works independently and onto its own. And anybody that comes in, there's sort of there must be some sort of weird hazing process or 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 what's hot and what's not. And yeah, all that all that stuff. We, I mean, personally, I just try to stay away from. I try to stay away from any conversation and just let the product kind of speak for itself. I try to be invisible in the process in the sense that um, it's not an ego driven thing. I don't, I don't need to be, um, I don't need my name attached to anything. It's just, there's a great solution. If you need it, great. It's available. Just use it. Yeah. And uh, the rest of it, I try to stay out of, but I know there's a lot of it, you know, you hear it and I call it the murmur. And I try not to get too distracted by the murmur. It's tough to not oversell it too. Yeah. 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 When I when I started this whole school thing, I was overselling it to people and it was frightening them away because I was saying, You can just work out of your house and you can have Bobby across the street or even across town or even across the country and be teaching this person and you know, I was going to branch it out into like do cooking classes. Like, I want to learn how to cook this thing. And you have like a chef on there. And like, I'll teach you how to cook it. You know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. I had all these great, these neat ideas. I mean, it kind of keys down to sort of the entrepreneurial um, uh, ethic or the, 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 the need to sort of do something that you think is unique or neat or something that you don't, you know, because... It seems to me like in your life, you kind of worked for the man and that was sort mm -hmm. of, I didn't, you, you sort of thought, I don't want to work for the man. And mm -hmm. you kind of went out on your own. And Well, you were an inspiration to me throughout all that. I mean, you were always the person that I'm not going to, I'm not going to date us uh, in, in age, <laughs> but a couple of years on me. And, uh, and I always looked up to the fact that you were always looking to do that next thing and figure it out yourself. And, you know, and, and, and that was, that was inspirational to me. And I don't know if I've ever said that to you, but, uh, oh, that's, very, um, <laughs> that's very cool. Thank you. But yeah, you're, you're definitely the, the person who was always pioneering something, you know, something interesting. Yeah. Well, it, there's a lot of failure too. I mean, that's tough to explain, but you know, you think of people who are successful businessmen, how many they've, they fail more than they've, than they've, uh, than they've, than they've, had success and it's the one success that sort of puts them into that front and they'll fail a thousand more times you know it makes yeah. it more dangerous because now they can sort of go well, i want i'm gonna make a, a bra for ponies you know like what what are you doing that for <laughs> well i think br ponies need bras you know and i've been looking yeah. at ponies and you know they need bras you know so then you start thinking you know sort of getting a little bit sort of d diluted about what you think is right and wrong uh -huh. But like I said, it's, you found like we've, you know, you find something that people, people need and, and it's, they'll pay money for it. And that's sort of like the, that's sort of like being in the band, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's the same thing. You've created something that people, it must be tremendously rewarding. 
I think so. I think so. I mean, for me, um, it's a, I guess, I guess it's just like similar to being in a band in the sense that you're always chasing something, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, there's, I'm, I'm constantly building, I'm constantly creating, I'm constantly outputting. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly looking back on, on the successes of, of ideas and that's great and all, but, but the drive is really in the, in the forward. It's in the future. It's what's ahead. It's the next thing. And, uh, and I guess it's just, you know, like being a musician, it's once you, once you, it's funny how, when you, when you play a show and everybody knows your songs, uh, from the last record and that's all they want to hear, but you have a new record and those are the, those are the songs you want to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. When you when you've created something that is a, what we'd call a success, do you build on the success, or do you go back to what would be maybe need retooling that didn't work and try to rehash something out of that idea? Like, how do you you know? Because you, it's all about this business is all about making little little incremental things until you turn around and go, wow, I've been doing this for ten years, and look at us now. But you had to sort of you started on a good idea, or did you, how did you, you know? work from the success um i think that it was all bite-sized pieces as you said like it's 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 just figuring out the one thing executing it and there's always revisiting there's always like you know what that thing that we did it could be better um the strategic things that we have to be conscious of is what's going to give us the biggest bang for our buck so to speak as far as investment in resources and time Mm -hmm. so if we could do something better that was released a year ago and we have all these new ideas on how to improve upon it, but how significant, how significant is that in the grand scheme of things where we could, you know, put our resources into something else that's going to have a bigger return as far as usage that would increase the business or whatever. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing where I would love to be able to do all the things that I want to do, but now I've just learned over the years that, you just have to pick and choose where to allocate your resources based on the return. And um, I, I guess that's just, you know, get, growing up as a business person now and just as being, a person be, be, becoming a, be, as a person, becoming yeah. a teenager business person, I guess. Yeah. Cause I'm when starting to make decisions. Yeah. And, Cause when you have nothing really to lose, you're going to take all the chances. But yeah. if you have a sort of a standard of living and sort of what makes you happy in life and an income, do you tend to sort of watch it sounds like it's you're watching the move because it can affect not only your career but other people's careers and if it gets pushed in the wrong direction then that mean maybe you'll go from a staff of what you are now and dropping three people and that must be there must be a lot of pressure on that to sort of keep maintaining the forward motion yeah yeah i mean it's uh there's a personal pressure but there's also a personal responsibility and obligation to the uh to our employees you know livelihoods mm-hmm. and i try not to think about that on a daily basis and try to think that we're all committed and we're all trying to do the better good for the company and working as a team and all those things but ultimately you know the the the, the decisions that get made that dictate the direction of the company are the responsibility of the people that run it yeah and uh and uh it's um i try not to get too heady about that because i think that i would freak myself out but um but yeah that's i feel like that's just definitely kind of a given thing that it's it's always this underlying thing that i try not to i try not to freak myself out 
about on a, on a daily basis or as I'm making the decision. I think it's just embedded in all the decisions that are made. Yeah. And 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 so far so good. I, I feel sure. like uh, I haven't I haven't screwed it up uh, yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's educated. It's educated moves is what you're doing now. Every year you do this, you have an understanding and a concept, and also you have sort of like a safety net that you're like, well, what are my what's the loss in this? Because if we're doing it, because you can't, you can't gain something that would sort of just plan it safe. You have to sort of make moves and you have to try to, this is any business. This is being in a mm-hmm. band. This is sort of when you, if you're selling widgets to widget companies, you have yep. to, you know, find where the strengths are and, and play on it and, and try to mitigate the weakness, you know? Yeah. The one thing that I have learned over the years that I know it's an easier said than done thing, but, um, that nothing good comes without change. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like sometimes that's, uh, unfortunately in the music world, you know, if there's a weak link in the band, you move, move on from them or, or you, you try a different instrument or you, you know, try different, whatever. Um, but, uh, it's, it's the change, the change is what inspires, the development um and 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 i've always and i've always kind of uh kept that in mind that i i've still even though i do have things to lose i kind of not irresponsibly but try to make decisions based on not based on not fearing the unknown yeah that's yeah that's cool because without that um you know the good stuff never comes it's just going to be more of the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I imagine now that you sort of, like we were talking earlier, where you kind of invented something in a way, you invented a solution. There's got to be sort of ankle biters in there somewhere trying to find their way in. Yeah, there always is. But yeah. I guess my philosophy has always been like, there's always going to be imitators. It's the highest form of flattery. Yeah. Um, as long as you're, as long as you're in your own league, they can't touch you. Yeah. And a healthy, healthy, um, competitive, uh, business com- competition it only makes it stronger because it makes you rethink because if you're sitting at the top of you know uh, you know of 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 your mountain and you can kind of dictate the market then someone's going to come in you know, especially in your the economy down there someone's going to find a way to do it cheaper and probably invent something newer so you always got to kind of be on your toes and i think that's healthy always that's healthy always always I, I love open market competition. It's the it's I mean it's what's made US and Canada and and and, and first world countries like that um, great great places to live because you have open market competition where you have companies openly competing with the same or similar product or service and uh, and you know and may the best man win you know no blows below the belt kind of thing um, yeah. yeah and. Uh, and, and 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 definitely keeps you on your toes. Yeah, and I bet now that you've sort of created this market, you can kind of dictate the ethic process too at the same time, right? Like you can kind of call someone out saying, we never did that. Or, you know, I can imagine that there'd be some sort of check and balance when it came to how that business runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're at the point now where we're responsible for some of the outcomes and we're responsible for... Um, how the business operates and the flow and uh you know we're in, we're involved with the political things that c- could potentially hold things in place or change yeah um i don't necessarily like the idea that we're 
in a place, I wouldn't say that we're in a position of power because I don't think that we are. I just think that we're in a position to to make things change or to um, assist the change with technology. And I think that, you know, there's a moral obligation. There's an ethical obligation to all that stuff. Um, we, we just try to do the right thing. But at the same time, there's a natural evolution to every industry that a lot of people are in denial about. And it's happened to most industries in the past, you know, 20 years. Uh, and I don't think any industry is exempt from that. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the smartest thing you did too was keep it in LA and try not to branch out. Cause I knew you were talking about branching into different cities, you know? Well, now we're actually, we are nationwide, but most of our efforts are here in Los Angeles, yeah. but we do have small markets using our services. Um, uh, throughout you know the northeast and the southeast and the pacific northwest uh we i was hoping that we could have connected with toronto and gotten toronto going so i could spend more time with friends and family <laughs> but uh they're 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 a little hesitant to to come on board but that would be awesome if, if, if we could make it happen there so i could spend more time and do an in-person uh interview instead yeah. of from the bathtub <laughs> well in person in the bathtub it would be a funky oh, that'd be a little weird be a little weird the um well toronto that's funny why you'd say that because toronto is supposed to be like this forward moving not just tech comp um a town but also it's probably most likely going to be the new home to amazon which is going to be this is interesting like one they're, of the headquarters they're on the short list but yeah. then again so is la i just yeah. i don't think that the west coast city is going to get it yeah yeah what what makes you think that uh they have a checklist and uh listening to and uh, reading a couple articles and listening to some stories on public radio um they just said that you know some of their hit list stuff isn't necessarily present here in la but it is in other cities that are on the east coast yeah i guess they probably pray like amazon would prey on places that sort of isn't so dense like like la exactly has so much to choose from and all that they, stuff. they, they, they need land i mean yeah. if they're going to employ fifty thousand people they need space yeah and that'll be markham <laughs> yeah exactly 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 <laughs> It'll be like around the corner from here. Going to work at Amazon, put the hat on. Yeah, well, it's actually it's actually going to be called Amazon Ontario. Actually, they're going to rename Markham. Oh, <laughs> Amazon Ontario. Amazon Ontario. Yeah. 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 Well, hey man, um, I'm glad you managed to fill your bucket list. I'm happy that you are successful in life and in business, and I'm proud of you. It does make me sad that you're one of my good friends that lives in a, a different country. But, yeah. but at the same time, I see you when I see you, and it's always good. And you're one of those rare people in life that you sort of run into and go, how you been? You know what I mean? There's never really any real luggage or, you know, I, I know people who, who have their, Not, you know. Tr tr true life friends are, are, are that forever. It's always been my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um. Have fun in your back. I bet your water's getting cold. It's getting a little cool, actually. Yeah. I might turn it. I was, I was holding off on turning the heat back. <laughs> this is awesome. We'll splash the water around a little bit and we'll, we'll cut. There it is. Yeah. There it is. It's like That's a rush crazy. record now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. Oh, no problem. And that was Andreas Tompros on episode number 173. It was recorded a few weeks ago. Um, good episode. Fun episode. One of my most favorite episodes because it's someone I know very well. We have great conversations anyways. And might as well record it because it's always good chat. 
I'm very proud of Andreas. I'm very proud of someone to go and do something and to start with nothing and end with something is something anybody would achieve to get anything, whether you're what any business you're in. And uh, I, I just, I am empathic, empathically living through him at this point. So there you go. I don't know what that means. Probably means nothing. Probably pretty blowhardy. Thanks, everybody, so for shopping on Amazon by going to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon. Thank you, everybody, for thank you, my Patreon patrons. By going to Patreon, you can support the show, patreon.com slash appalock. Like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash appalockpod. And another episode down. And we're knocking on the door of 180 episodes. And uh, I got a few good ones coming up. Summer's coming. Got me a new job. I think I mentioned that already. It's not a new job. I, I ended up being promoted as a technical director. And I can start talking about it now. So it's kind of exciting. I get to make decisions. So everybody, next week, I have uh, Rod Slaughter from the band Duotang. Uh, old friend. And another duo band, by the way. Another two piece band. It's the third one this year. So we'll see you next week, okay? Everybody, I'll be here. Bye.